Good morning. It's good to be apart together, and happy Father's Day. Morgan wrote that song. Isn't it so good? Thank you so much, ladies. It was a great way to start the morning. And that song gets it. I mean, it's so right on. I know the feeling, and I know that I'm not alone. We all just want to pull the world up over our head right now. 2020 has been brutal so far. I hope that this being Father's Day will be some relief for us. It's such a great day to remember and celebrate dads. Now, I'm looking forward to watching this special on dads. I know that being a father has changed my life forever, and having such a great dad continues to be one of the biggest blessings of my life. Mother's and Father's Day are such a beautiful reminder of how much our life is beyond what we've earned on our own and attained by ourselves. I mean, long before we could walk, read, get an A, or win a race, before we graduated, got a job, or earned a penny, we were given everything by our parents for years. You don't hear politicians talk much about families, or fathers in particular, but on Father's Day in 2008, a candidate for president delivered a very challenging sermon on the importance of fathers. This is part of what he said. Of all the rocks upon which we build our lives, we are most dependent on the family. The family is the most important foundation, and we are called to recognize and honor how critical every father is to that foundation. They are teachers and coaches. They are mentors and they are role models. They are examples of success and the men who constantly push us toward it. But if we're honest with ourselves, we'll admit that too many fathers are also missing. Too many fathers are MIA. Too many fathers are AWOL, missing from too many lives and too many homes. They have abandoned their responsibilities. They're acting like boys instead of men. And the foundations of our family have suffered because of it. Look, we all know this. Fathers play a critical and irreplaceable role in our families and in our society. And these remarks set up what I want to talk about this morning. And that is how the necessity for social justice in a society is only be the beginning of what God is inviting us into. You see, according to the Bible, the goal is not justice. I mean, the Bible talks about justice a lot all over the place. But justice is people getting what they deserve. It, and it happens when the playing field is level and the rules are clear and fair. That's justice and it's a very, very good thing. Something we know we have not achieved yet in our society today. We've come a long way, but we have a long, long way yet to go. But the gospel the good news that Jesus came to share with the world is not the gospel of justice. It is the gospel of grace. And grace is predicated on this idea that God is giving us much, much more than we deserve. In fact, according to the gospel, when we turn to God and accept our acceptance, we don't get what we deserve. God does. God gets or takes on, bears, absorbs 
the consequences of what we deserve. In other words, in the gospel of Jesus, God gets justice, we get grace. God gets justice, we get grace. Now, I'm so grateful to hear so much um, concern for and conversations around justice, but I think it's important for us to remember justice is not some magical finish line. Like when we get there, we've arrived. Justice is just the starting line. Justice is the bare minimum. If justice is what we are aiming for, well, that can theoretically be pursued from a distance by changing this law or tweaking that policy or adding this program. Justice is a state of fairness. And if that's the goal, we may think that we can just simply do our part by not being unjust. But grace, on the other hand, is very different. It isn't the state of unfairness. It is the story of goodness. And long ago, God came to the conclusion that he could get much more done on earth in the name of grace through you and me. And that begins by thinking differently about people who think differently than us. The state of justice might make things even, but it can still leave us separated. People who think or believe or look differently than us can still be over there. The state of justice might make things even, but it still leaves us separated. Grace creates kinship. A deep understanding, not just of our shared humanity, but of our shared destiny. And that we can only get to where we're going together. Grace is the ongoing, unfolding, ever-growing story that desperately seeks to include everyone, everywhere, every day into this kinship, a mutual belonging. In the gospel of Jesus, God gets justice, we get grace. That is the gospel. God gets what we deserve, he takes on, volunteers to suffer the consequences of what life looks like, ends up like, when we live for ourselves. And in doing so, Jesus unleashes the possibility for us to live in grace, but also the possibility to live abundantly, which means looking for ways to live out grace. One of the many things that I love about the Bible is that it seems to be constantly searching for ways to talk about grace. God gets justice, we get grace. God gets justice, we get grace is so anti-intuitive for us. I mean, we can barely imagine getting things to simply be fair. Last weekend, I officiated the wedding of my dear friends, Mitch and Kylie. And I told them, when God describes what the end of time will look like, he talks about a wedding. Jesus as the groom and his people as the bride. And there's this strong sense of longing, acceptance, love, and belonging of God being head over heels in love with us as a groom is for his bride and the bride for her groom. And it's this back and forth reciprocal relationship. It's a beautiful picture, but when we ask what should life look like right here, right now, Jesus uses a very different metaphor. 
He's just a metaphor of a family, of God loving us like his children because that's the story of grace. This is one of our newest storyliners, Archer Alec Slickers Johnson. Isn't he adorable? This is, this is him with his very proud, very happy, totally exhausted parents, Erica and Blair. Now let me tell you how this little boy is going to survive and thrive. There is only one way, one way, one possibility, one hope that little Archie has to flourish today and tomorrow. Grace, period. Beginning, middle, and end of the story. Blair and Erica are establishing a home of justice for sure. Of that I have no doubt. I know that their rules in their home will be fair. They'll be even. So I'm not saying that this won't be a, theirs won't be a home of justice, but if it stops there, Archie's a goner. He wouldn't make it into next week. Blair and Erica are giving him every day, not what he has earned, but what they have. They earned the house, the food, the electricity, the diapers, the wipes. Archie didn't do a thing. They are creating a home, cultivating a family, flowing with grace. You see, the question is, how have they done that? How have they become these agents of grace for Archie? Well, what do parents do? To be gracious, you have to sacrifice. They have taken on, Blair and Erica have taken on so much. They have given up so much. So many of their desires, wants, comforts. So much of what, they, what could have happened in their future. And for what? So that they can unleash grace. This active, assertive, creative love for and on Archie. This is not justice. It is grace. This is what love does. It does not aim at justice. Getting and giving what we've earned or can attain, arrange, get, or keep for ourselves. We all end up dead sooner than later if justice is the goal. Babies in a just world don't live for more than a few days. Grace, giving people, offering people, supporting one another with much, much more than we deserve is the only way that life works. Grace is the only way that I've made it this far. It's the only way you will make it into tomorrow. I haven't earned the next heartbeat. You don't deserve your next breath. I didn't arrange to be born and you haven't somehow attained your tomorrow. It's all a gift, all grace. And in the gospel of Jesus, God gets justice. We get grace. And think about this. If you ask Blair and Erica, how are you feeling about the sacrifice that you're making to be parents? If you ask them about all the things that they've had to nail onto a cross for Archie's sake, they would tell you it's the hardest and the best thing they've ever done in their life. One author describes parenting this way, to have a child is to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside your body. Every parent knows it's true. And that, this is exactly what Blair and Erica would tell us. 
Living out grace with and for Archie creates an enormous vulnerability in them. I know it does, but I know that they would tell us life seems a lot more dangerous, but so much more worth living. Because grace is a joy. It is a sacrifice for sure, but it is a joy. The call to love goes way, way beyond justice. To be loving, we must be just, for sure. We have to be fair, but justice alone stops far, far short of love and grace. Love is what drives every parent, every father, to do what they do for their children, to give them much, much more than they could ever earn or deserve. Yes, it comes at an enormous cost for every parent. And yet, it is precisely living out grace that makes life worth living. This is how the Bible can say such bizarre and paradoxical things like Jesus died on the cross because of his love for the world and for his own joy. So which is it? Did Jesus die out of love for us or for his own joy? And the answer is yes, because love makes grace our greatest joy. This is why God takes justice onto himself and gives us grace. God gets justice, we get grace because God is love. And his invitation to us is to live like he does. So I'm gratified by all the talk of social justice. I, I really am. This is a conversation that is so long overdue and Storyline is going to continue to provide different opportunities and new opportunities for all of us to engage in it in different ways. But we must move from a justice framework to an ongoing and growing gracious story from hoping to build a world of fairness into cultivating a family of love. Justice means everyone gets what they deserve and as nice as that world sounds, and in many ways I know it would be a massive improvement, it's also a world that still in the end leads to death and we know it. Grace is the only way through Grace is the invitation to be loving, self-sacrificing, and to live for and to belong to one another as if we are kin, family, as if we all belong to one another as brothers and sisters, all children of God. Look, when everyone in the world becomes to me who Archie is, to Blair and Erica, I will come alive like I never have before. Now, I'm not there, I'm not even close, I feel like a hypocrite just describing this, but I'd be lying to you if I didn't remind us this is what love requires and what love promises. I don't know what this looks like for you, but becoming a person of grace within a community of grace that's on a mission of grace encapsulates the abundant life that Jesus is begging us to enter into with him for our benefit and for the good of the whole world. This is who God has called us to be, to become together 
a gracious community on a mission of grace. And here's what we know, and we know it from our real everyday lives. All of us require much, much more than we deserve. We know it from our real lives that without grace, the whole world would perish. God gets justice, we get grace. It's called the gospel because it's good news. God gets justice, we get grace. And when we get grace, as in get it, like understand it, we can't help ourselves. Love will compel us to give it. And that is the abundant life that Jesus has promised his followers. My friend Mike Weibel sent me an email this week, and as I read through it, I thought, man, this is so good. I love this. I'm totally ripping this off. And then I thought, maybe that wouldn't be good when you're giving a talk about justice and grace. So I asked him to share it with us himself. Thanks so much, Mike. The call of God into our everyday life is to be an agent, a superhero of God's grace. On Father's Day, we celebrate the sacrifice and commitment required to unleash grace. That is what dads do, giving their all to give their children everything. That's way beyond justice. That is grace. My friend Brian shared this passage with me this week. It's the story of um, some first followers of Jesus and how their love compelled them to live. This is what the Bible says. You showed sympathy to prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and an abiding one. (laughs) Joyfully accepted the seizure of your property. When we wonder what life ought to look like, yes, let's be determined to, to, to dismantle prejudice and bias and discrimination. Let's oppose systemic injustice whenever and however we can. And for goodness sakes, let's be all, all of us, let's be open about all the ways that seeking justice is going to challenge us personally. But let us not forget that justice is not the goal. It's just the starting line. It's the bare minimum. Grace is the goal. And grace requires sacrifice. God gets justice. We get grace. And because of that, a new world and a beautiful way of living is possible for each and every one of us. We're so fortunate to have such great musicians, aren't we? Thank you so much, guys. Next Sunday was supposed to be our annual baby dedication, baptism, and brunch, but because of the restrictions and out of an abundance of caution, we have decided to postpone that until the last Sunday in July, the 26th, assuming things are better and safer then. If you have a child you'd like to dedicate or if you'd like to be baptized, please get in touch with me or Jen Meyer and let us know. We would love to talk with you more about that and get you all the details. In the meantime, Next week, we're going to revisit something that we tried many years ago on the fourth Sundays in the summers, and we called it Fourth and Go. I want you to think of it like your own personal impact Sunday. Think of it like it's you and your family's opportunity to go out and be agents of grace. Maybe you take breakfast to a relative, friend, or neighbor. Maybe you find an organization to serve. Our website has all kinds of information about our impact partners and and current projects that they're working on. Maybe you spend some time, some special time together as a family. 
Whatever it is, we want to invite all of Storyline to dream up ways to live out God's grace next Sunday morning. Two weeks from today, on July 5th, we'll be here again at 10.30 on our website for another online gathering. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Let's remember and celebrate our fathers today and the way that their lives remind us that in the biggest picture of all, God gets justice and we get grace. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time and this place, this opportunity to be together online. We lift up our nation to you and in so many ways, the physical health, but also the spiritual health of our country. We ask for your healing, for your guidance. We ask um, that you would infuse us with your love for one another and that we would grow beyond justice into grace into a gracious family that, um, where we understand that we belong to one another. God, I ask you that as we log off this morning, you would help us to grow and remain open, alert, expectant, and dependent on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us. We're gonna do a Zoom call um, right now. So if you scroll down and hit the button, you can join us. And I'll see you again in two weeks.